Mad Max Radio, Live 365i Radio, the horror shows edition with DJ Mad Max. We have the one and only Betsy Baker. You may know her for playing Linda in that's the original the longest, Evil By the Dead. way, that's the longest sentence I've ever heard. So there you go. <laughs> yes, Betsy Baker, welcome to the show. How's your night going? Uh, it's going well, but it's it's early here, so it's just begun. Yeah, that's right, because you're out in the West Coast. So it's nighttime here, and it's just the evening beginning over there. Yeah, absolutely. Is it cold there? Yeah, it's starting to get really cold here now, and I'm not a big cold weather person. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, because guess what? It's going to get colder. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. I'm not looking forward to it, but how's your October going? October's going great. October's going great. Thank you. Uh, did a horror con LA here in uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, have been busy working and um, auditioning and doing a little bit of travel. I was just in Miami Beach last week, so everything's good. I'm vertical. I'm, you know. Waking up each day, that's good. Evil Dead just turned 41 the other day. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it at all. It's such a classic. And when you look back on it and just years pass by and people are still talking about this film, when did you realize that this film was a hit to masses and the audience of people who watch? That's really so funny because actually my husband and I were just talking about it yesterday. So, you know... uh, because he asked me if I went to the premiere in 82 and I did not. I actually uh, had just moved out to the LA area from the Detroit area where Sam and Rob and Bruce and Teresa and Ellen still were. And, and Richie who plays Hal Del- or Richie who's actually Hal Delrich. And, um, but I had moved to Los Angeles and I was really uh, knee deep or, or neck deep in auto shows. And I just couldn't go back for the premiere. And, you know, the premiere, it had a, it, it had a good start, a, a rocky start for a little independent movie. But um, then my husband said, well, when did, when did you realize it really took off? I said, well, I knew something was really going well because we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have anything to, to gauge unless, unless you were friends with Sam and Rob and Bruce and you talked every week. And unless they talked with, you know, the, the movie collection, the movie data collection people, they didn't know either. Um, But in nine, so that was 1982 in 1986, they called me out in LA and said they were out in LA, which I didn't know. And they wanted to meet for lunch. And so we met for lunch and they were offering me the role. They knew they had said, we're going to we want to talk about Evil Dead 2. And so that was in the spring of 86. And I walked into this restaurant and it was Bruce and Sam and Rob, the same three trio that, that I met, you know, back in Detroit seven years earlier or whatever. But I couldn't do Evil Dead 2 because I was pregnant. We had gotten married and we were having a baby and they couldn't change their schedule. They were really more tightly bound with um, contracts and stuff than they were with their first movie. I certainly couldn't change my schedule. So I couldn't be an Evil Dead too. And I came home and I said, well, it must be doing well because you know they just offered me Evil Dead too, but I couldn't do it. What really I think took off and I think everybody that knows movies and especially horror movies and and specific genre movies are the video stores that's what did it blockbuster yeah that's what did it because i i'm of the age that when you went to a movie you saw it one time and you hoped to get there to the movie theater before it left town you hoped you would get it get to see it thursday friday or saturday 
before a new movie came in on Sunday. If you didn't, then you missed seeing the movie. You, you missed it completely. Um, Blockbuster, you could be in college, you could be drinking and getting high and renting it every week, every weekend, if you had the luxury of having a VCR machine in your dorm room or your apartment. And so people were seeing it 40, 50 times a year. And they were spreading the word and they were having people over and it just grew. It just grew. And I, I there's no, I think Bruce and Sam and Rob all credit, um, not only the fine acting, <laughs> <laughs> the stellar performances, but I, the video stores. Yeah, really the video helped. stores definitely led to the boom yeah. in doing my research about it, especially with all these genre films and, and not going to premiere. Do you remember the first time that you saw it in complete in its final finality? Uh, yeah, the first time I saw it in its, well, I didn't even ever see, the first time I watched it, I did not ever see it in its finality, was in a, in a Los Angeles movie theater. But at that time, they had not made corrections to all the sound glips and everything. And my husband, who was, who was a pretty well-known sound mixer, he said, I can't stand this. I can't stand watching you and not understanding what people are saying. And so we left. Wow. So it was another, I don't know, while again before I saw the whole movie. And I think I saw it myself. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was your reaction to seeing yourself on screen, especially when you saw yourself in the makeup and especially in the baby doll scene that everyone knows you for when you're singing the lullaby? You know, by the time I watched it, um, it had to be two or three years later after we filmed parts of it because I filmed part of it in 79 and then went back in the spring and filmed it in a different state completely in 80. Um, I had forgotten some of the scenes. I had forgotten some of the script, some of the plot, and I had forgotten some of the, it brought back memories of the set and the cold weather and the makeup and the scene, you know, so it, there was a lot going on in my head when the first time I saw it. It's definitely an iconic film, but I, I did so much research on your history because growing up, you used to put on tap dancing shows in your neighborhood, I heard about. That's right. That's right. Uh, actually, we went to school. We lived on this. I mean, everybody did. Everybody did or everybody does live on the best street, you know, in the world when they were growing up or many people did. And we did. And we would get together. I was still at the age where you would leave the house at nine in the morning in the summer and you would come home for lunch and then you'd come home for dinner. And that was it. You, that you would just outside and we would of course get bored after a while. And we were just like nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. And we just said, let's literally let's put on a show. And so we would listen to the local radio. We would get these songs in our head or we would say, well, I can tap dance. Well, uh, somebody else said I can, uh, you know, I, I can quote something or I know how to do soldering irons. We'll plug in the soldering iron to dad's garage over there and I'll solder something. And we put literally put um, sheets up in the garage and we would charge all the other kids, meaning five or six other kids that were younger than six. And we would charge them a quarter of 50 cents. And we thought we'd like hit the mother load, you know, used to have mom and dads come to the shows and there were even magicians there, I heard. Oh yeah, we did some magic tricks, really bad magic tricks. And then years ago, there used to be March of Dimes. You could do carnivals in your backyard and all the money would go to the March of Dimes. And there were a couple of us that said, 
well, why don't we do one of those, get some ideas from the Show Times Carnival. And then we'll actually, after our show, we can do bounce the ball into the can or, you know, throw the beanbag somewhere. So that was a big hit, but they had to pay for those. They had to pay extra for those. So, yeah. Your love of acting came in middle school, junior high, and eventually going to college, Michigan State, when doing my research that you originally majored in, in music and you were going to school for music in Michigan State. And then your professors told you to transfer to theater. Yeah, I did. It, uh, looking back, it was actually really a gift. Um, I was working in uh, classical music and music therapy. And uh, I was called in by a professor one day and he said, look, they called from the theater department. I really don't know you that well, but they're looking for this and they're looking for that. And uh, would you be interested in going over and auditioning and meeting with the professor? And at that time, Michigan State's a huge campus. It's spread out like some of the big, some of the larger campuses are. And I had never even been over to that side of the campus yet, but I went over and I auditioned and um, I actually got the part. It was the musical Babes in Toyland. It was a, like a holiday show. And I made what I thought back then was just a huge major decision and, um, and uh, changed my major and started taking theater classes and actually got out of the music department as fast as I could because um, <laughs> You made yeah. the right decision and ended up in so. an iconic horror film because your agent told you that these three men were looking for you to perhaps star in their film and you yeah. didn't know anything about it. I heard that at the time you brought your boyfriend because you didn't know what these three guys were like all of a sudden at this Italian restaurant. I think it was on a Thursday in Detroit at a restaurant, Italian restaurant, and you went there and they were playing with their straws and having root beer and it took did off you, from there. You did you know what I was wearing? Because you actually have everything else correct. So no, no. <laughs> I'm sure if I asked you, you would actually know what exactly what I was wearing and what car we were driving. But yeah, that's true. Uh, I had an agent there in Detroit because I was actually doing a lot of commercials and industrial films, which are training films. And I was doing auto shows and the agent called said, this is kind of weird. You may or may not be interested, but there are three young men she said, that want to do a movie. She didn't even say it was a horror movie. They're looking to do a feature and they want to meet people. But my sense is, and I've never talked to Bruce and Sam about this, my sense is they didn't want to rent an audition room, you know, at the agency. So they just said, well, can we meet some people at the restaurant? I think that's what happened, actually. And so we met. I Actually, my old boyfriend stayed in the car just in case, like, if I didn't come out at a certain time, or if I went into a different car with people coming out of the restaurant, he would know to follow me or call the police. This is the, that's the honest truth because I didn't know who these three men were. And as it turned out, they were like 19 and 20 years old. And um, then they said, well, we'd be really interested. Would you like to come over uh, to my parents' house, which was Sam's house uh, the following weekend and we'll do some scenes in the basement because he still lived at home with his parents. <laughs> insane and just yeah. that he came from humble beginnings and then to, to bring it all you you make into make it into evil dead do you remember your first day on the shoot of evil dead because i know certain movies usually they don't go in chronological order was it the bridge scene it was the outside okay. bridge scenes there was the daytime scenes in which we're uh the first few days were the were the bridge scenes during the day and they had a lot of panoramic where they you know um, got some footage of the fall leaves and beautiful blue sky and then the car scene. So we did those all during the day. So that was the first because 
I think, if I'm not mistaken, you probably know, <laughs> the state of California, the state of Tennessee was demolishing this bridge. Like two days later, I heard. Yeah. yeah. And so we had to get that in. And so they were demolishing it. And I think Sam and uh, Rob got permission to like, you know, can we, can we still cross over? Can we drop some, can we drop some logs from it? Can we drop, you know, some of the beams from it? And uh, whatever permission they got, they were allowed to do because it was being destroyed in a couple of days. Within the first few days, I also heard on, on set that you guys had to clean the cabin. Yeah, it was a real legit cabin that had been on somebody's property. And they drove by our location guy said, well, there's this cabin over here. You guys want to look at it. And it was just filthy because there were no doors. It was the cabin that you see. Um, they did have a prop guy come and, and a set builder come and add a door and some, you know, the banging shutters. But animals, probably deer and cows in this wooded area would wander free, probably raccoons, things like that, foxes. And they would go in the in the house up until the time we got there, just probably to stay warm and dry sometimes. Yeah, it wasn't. And they didn't have a crew, nor could they afford a crew to come in and clean it. So we did. We could afford uh, brooms and shovels and, you know, pans to clean it up. But so that's what we did. Sometimes I know, especially because you have a theater background, there's certain actors and actresses that are a little reluctant to get into horror because they look at it as low budget. Did you have any preconceived notions about getting into a horror movie at the time? You know, I didn't. I actually thought it was going to be... Um, a really nice thing to experience. It was going to be really different. Um, I had just basically done theater for three years in college. When I finished college, um, I took a pass on getting a scholarship to go to grad school in theater. And I then went and sang in the Florida area uh, with a professional group and we sang professionally every night. I came back and I was literally doing commercials for, you know, hamburgers and lottery tickets and restaurants and industrial films for cars and autos and Sears and Roebuck. So when they finally said at Pasquale's, which was the Italian restaurant that, well, it's, it's a horror movie. It's a scary movie. Does that bother you? And I just really sat there for a second. I went, nah, I think it'll be fine. I thought it would be a great adventure. And I thought I would learn something. <laughs> Some of the cast and crew stayed overnight and slept. I know you had the luxury of not being able to do that, but I know it was usually they slept there during the day to watch the equipment on the set. Yeah, we had a couple of crew. They were all friends of Sam and Rob's and Bruce's, and they came down to support them. And, and it was a, you know, a job for them. I, I, I don't know, maybe they made literally 50 or $75 a week, but they could get a credit as well. And so when we were done shooting at night, there would always be one or two people there on in the cabin that would just kind of stay, you know, grab a burger from somewhere and um, stay there and guard the cabin because it, it, within a couple of weeks, people knew we were filming there and um, they, it was touch really the road that you see in the film dirt road is really the road that was there to go into the cabin but it's a long long road so not everybody knew that that building even existed but once word got out they felt that they should have it you know secure and watched over and we actually did if i'm not mistaken we actually did have a couple of um burglaries or whatever um they didn't destroy anything but they took a couple of things uh, and that's when we started having some of the guys stay there during the day 
Yes, just for security reasons. I also heard that there was this backstory. I don't know if you're familiar for it, but I read it somewhere that Sam Rady heard that there was a little girl discovered her mother and grandmother dead in the cabin or something. I don't know if this is true or not. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not either. I know that that story has gone around that um, because we've been asked at conventions over the years, you know, did you ever see a ghost? Were you ever frightened at night? We did hear noises, but we also thought at night because we shot a lot at night, but we actually also thought it was just the neighboring neighbors maybe trying to get a little closer, but we definitely heard footsteps and, and noises sometimes. But I don't know if that story's, I don't know if that's a, if that's something that Robin Sam and Bruce conjured up or, <laughs> or if it was really true, I really don't know. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt any of the three to make it up. No, especially I know because with possession films, there's always some kind of controversy behind them that comes with it when we heard stories about the exorcist and the omen. So thank God that nothing really happened to the people on the set, because unfortunately, when people have paranormal films and there are things that go wrong sometimes, such as poltergeist. Yeah, yeah I don't I know. I know that you probably have tons of fans who like to go find things and like to have things go bump in the night when they walk around with a flash on it. I don't particularly care for that. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, it's not that I believe or disbelieve. I just don't want to be there if they show up. I just, so I'm not a fan of that. I did hear noises, but it was actually probably animals or, you know, neighbors trying to just see what we were doing. That's Bruce Campbell was all over the place. I heard on the film serving as the production assistant producer behind the camera. Is it true that he was also helping you sometimes with the contact lenses? Bruce? Yeah. I read that online. No. no. I mean, for a while we had to, first of all, they were really hard. They're called sclera lenses. They're not soft. Like people wear now and throw away. We had to be fitted for them in Detroit. In fact, the optometrist or the eye doctor actually came down to make sure we were wearing them correctly. They're pretty hard to put in. The three actresses, myself, Ellen Sandweiss, and Sarah York, also known as Teresa Tilly, she, she used the stage name Sarah York when she did the film. We were always there with each other, helping put them in and take them out because they were really pretty difficult to put in and take out. And one of the reasons the sclera lens is a hard, like, I don't know, plastic opaque you know i mean they make that kind of sound when you hit them is that it prevents air from getting into your eyes and so and you your eyes need air even at night when they're sleeping the air can crawl in and so it would really damage we were told it would really damage if we wore them over uh, i thought it was five minutes other people have told me 15 minutes but sam and rob and bruce um as actors and producers often pushed that line and there were times at 20 minutes, 25 minutes that uh, if, for instance, I was wearing the contact lenses and Ellen and Teresa would be on the set and they'd say, that's it. She's out. She's done. And they were sort of we were like sort of each other's managers or agents and, and saying, you've got to you, you can't do this next scene. You've got to let Ellen get her contacts out or you've got to let Sarah, you know, remove her contacts because it also dried up and that it was difficult to get them out. But Sam, Bruce helping? No, no. <laughs> I don't think so. He may have held the mirror one night, but uh, no. Fans always try to make something up here. To... Bruce is a nice guy, but he's, he didn't help us with the contact. <laughs> Unbelievable. But getting into these stories, because you were the one that 
instead of using the latex mask, because when you're a deadite, that's when the latex mask comes in. But you convinced Sam Raimi you wanted to be a baby doll more, especially with the rosy cheeks and the thick eyelashes. And you basically incorporated that scene yourself. I did. You're right. I did. There is, I was fitted for a mask. We actually also came back and met, once we were cast, we were met, we met in Sam's basement and they put newspapers and, and uh, plastic all down the floor and a big table and our make, uh, makeup and special effects guy, Tom Sullivan came over and we did the old fashioned plastic masks. In order to do that, you put a lot of Vaseline on your, on your eyelashes and around your hair and you put literally plastic straws through your nose so that you can breathe. And the, pl the plaster of Paris hardens and gets hot very, very fast. But so you can write notes to people or you could back then in the seventies. So I had a mask made. If you look very carefully when Ash is pulling Linda out of the cabin, after we have one of many fights, after we have the major fight in which he's in her nightgown down on the ground. And he says, what am I gonna do with you now? And he takes her by the feet, by the ankles and pulls her out of the cabin. There's a quick look where I turn my face to the camera and I'm laughing, I think, but I have the mask on. And they cut that into make it a shorter scene because they realized people could see that there was a mask on. We weren't ever quite getting Linda's character down for the first couple of weeks. We knew they were boyfriend and girlfriend. She was sugary sweet. And we kept Bruce and Sam and I would sit there and talk and we realized that she was also so nice that she was just almost obnoxiously nice. Like, come on, you know, say a swear word once in a while or be angry. And she was just, Linda was just so sweet. And I said, you know, I think Sam, if I think we could play with that a little and just make her so, he goes like what? I said, well, almost make her like into a baby doll, like a porcelain face. And I literally said this to, we were in the corner of the cabin and I said, take the mask off me. And every night just put a lot of rouge on, a lot of blush and big, well, paint on eyelashes like you would a China doll. And then you could have her talk real sweet, just really, really sweet. So it's just over the top sweet. And Sam went crazy. He couldn't stand the voice <laughs> to the point where he said, that's it. That's what we'll do. And that's how Linda's overly sugar sweet character came in. People are terrified of that scene to this day. Yeah. <laughs> All incorporated by yourself. Amazing. Well, it was a collaboration, but it was really, it, it was a time when, even though we were young, it was a, it, it's a perfect example of, a, of an actor or actress and a director or somebody just talking about it. Well, how should this character be played? How should this... What can we do to make her more evil or whatever? And it could be the color of somebody's hair. It could be artificial teeth. And this was just, to me, so simple. Just make her into one of these pull toy dolls that is just so, after you pull that string like nine times, you just don't want to hear her anymore. And I think it worked because it just went along. It was so sweetly demonic, demonic sorry, compared to the demon characters that, um, and then we incorporated Linda pretending that she was not possessed in this sweet voice, which of course she was. So that just heightened it even more. Were there any scenes that you can remember from being on set, especially instances when Sam Rady started to get 
frustrated because it was low budget and he had to go over budget and there were things that he couldn't work with at the time that he had to make work did you notice any certain points there's any frustration points from sam raimi oh oh yeah i'm yeah i mean he was always experimenting he was always being creative and he probably would have liked to have done every scene about 30 times <laughs> um there were many times where we'd say okay that's great cut let's do that again let's do it again ellen and this time move your hand this way instead of this way I mean, very very meticulous and he just didn't have the time or the money to do it you know if a character decided to swipe her hand across the camera that way and somebody was watching the clock and say we, you know it's now 2 a.m we have four more hard scenes to do before the sun comes up that's how but if sam could have had us do 20 or 30 takes for each scene he would have it would have just been it would just given him more you know control in the editing room and what do i like and what don't i like because we were being very you know we were each handed a script also that was you know very very generic it says you know um it would, somebody would be screaming and then it would say fight scene uh tbd to, you know to be done later it wasn't written yet we had no idea we had no ideas we were going out into the woods into the forest we had no idea the trees would be attacking us like they were because it just said tree scene nighttime tree battle you know yeah. uh they're having dinner and having daiquiris and sounds erupt it was you know it's pretty loosely uh, some pages were pretty loosely written when went on the set because Sam Raimi also created his own style of filmmaking when he was putting the cameras on the boards and having people with rope basically drag it on the ground. Did you, any you and as well as the cast, realize that this was a new invention and just were curious about what he was doing and how it came out in the end? There were, yeah, there were, yeah, absolutely. There were times, you know, his, uh, he used to just have pieces of wood with a lot of Vaseline on them and he'd slide that camera uh, across. Yeah, he was very, very creative. And within a within a few days, we realized because the first few days, again, was the outside, the exterior, the um, uh, the bridge scene. And then you just have a, you know, camera mounts in the car. But, you know, when he started turning, you know, cars in a deep angle or he went back at night when we were not shooting and, you know, grabbed the um, the uh, bridge again just before just before it was demolished with smoke and and lights you know there were i knew from the very beginning there was a lot of creativity there i mean it, it could have just been done okay we'll get a couple night shots of this bridge and then we'll go home and if he could have i'm sure he would have stayed five nights and done even more with the bridge <laughs> yeah you got to reunite with Sam Raimi years later for Oz the Great and Powerful. You ran into him, I think, at an audition you were doing. You call, caught up with him, and he wanted to put you in Oz the Great and Powerful. I know that he was basically the same person that he was when you were working on Evil Dead, but from his craft-making standpoint of filmmaking, did you notice anything that he got more advanced at while being on the set and working with him on Oz the Great and Powerful? Well, the one thing I noticed is he always wore a suit, and I had known that for years, but he always wore a suit to set. Um, out of the respect of the job. I mean, you know, we were in our flannel shirts and sweatshirts, you know, and jackets that had not been washed in four or five, six weeks, you know, on the set. Um, but over the years, he, that's one of the things he's known for. And um, he knows that he, I, I think he knows and he emits the essence. He knows he's very fortunate to be 
where he is and directing. He's very grateful for the job. You know, and you do something Oz and Power, uh, Oz the Great and Power from a studio, you know, he's got to also refer to a lot. There's a lot of people he has to answer to. And there are, instead of four people in the cast looking at him for direction or wanting to give advice or asking questions, there's about between anywhere between 90 and 200 from lighting, <laughs> props, scripts, you know, sound, everything. And um, so there was a definite seriousness to him, but Sam has this little smirk and this little laugh that that would come out. And um, we all enjoyed seeing it. And sometimes he would sneak off with the three of us and, and uh, you know, have a drink of a diet Coke or something, which he would say, oh, I don't, I don't drink any diet sodas or whatever or Cokes. And he'd have a drink of a diet soda. And then he'd, you know, have a hit of a cigarette. I got to get back to work, girls. Got to get back to work. But it was a real privilege to work on Oz and see him work um, again so many years later and be part of that. All, all the way from Evil Dead when there's been times I've heard stories of you guys looking at each other on set being like, what the hell are we doing here? And all of a sudden. Oh, we career... just didn't look at each other. We just said it out loud. Like, get it out <laughs> of here. Yeah. Yeah, there was some... Uh, there were some moments of um, anger and frustration. And uh, yeah. He also fell asleep on the set too. Who, Sam? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was pretty exhausted. I mean, all the guys were really, really exhausted. We would try to, I mean, all the, we all were, everybody was, we, you know, we would shoot, we would go to the cabin at like five or six at night. We would shoot till five or six in the morning and go home and, by that time, the city, the town was coming alive. So it was it, anybody who's shot or worked nights, I just honor them because it's a really hard task. Any of our our neighbors and our friends that work night jobs and night shifts, it's really hard to then go home and sleep during the day when all of our society is based on a you know day-to-day -day living. And um, we all lived in the same house too. So there were times when one of us got to do the laundry, but the other nine or 10 people had to wait or one of them needed to go to the grocery store, but we only had, or maybe five or six of us had to go to the grocery store, but we only had two cars down there. So it had its challenges. Especially the scenes when you're in the trench, because they actually had to dig that up and they put blankets in the trench. I heard, I guess they said, oh, you'll be more cozy that way. Max, Matt, you really do your research, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they tried to use the word cozy and they got me blankets and they tried to put a heating pad in there, but I think the extension cord didn't go down to the generator in the cabin. But um, yeah, they tried to make me comfortable, which did not happen. And they, Sam came up to me and convinced me when they were, when Bruce or Ash was hitting me over the head with the wooden beam, that it wouldn't hurt he was lying and that it was just made of styrofoam, which they weren't. <clears throat> it was actually, they had gone to Sears or Penny's or I don't even think they had Home Depot back then, but a hardware store. And they'd gotten those, you know, artificial beams that you could put up in your rumpus room back then. I mean, they were artificial, but they weren't made out of real wood, but they weren't made out of lightweight styrofoam either. So the first couple of times Bruce hit me over the head, Oh, I was pretty pissed because it hurt. And we did like two more takes. I said, that's it. We're done. Um, and Sam knew, Sam knew when he told me that it wouldn't hurt and it wouldn't be painful. He knew that it would hurt. It would be painful. 
<laughs> and he is that's when he had to yell cut a number of times yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable yeah. do you remember your first convention with, with reunited with the whole cast uh i think our first convention it wasn't actually a convention it was sort of a reunion um in the detroit area in early 2020 uh, early 2002 so it would have been like 20 years ago um anchor bay who was then distributing the film and and invited us all to come and um they had made some special items for fans and stuff and we all met at anchor bay offices and we spent the whole weekend there and then we had a, a premiere showing of i think a re redigitized or whatever film uh in royal oak and for fans and a q a and it was it was a tremendous amount of fun because a lot of us had not seen each other uh, for 20 years. I, I'm actually really good friends with Sarah York, AKA Teresa Tilly, um, very good friends. We both live in the Los Angeles area. And of course, uh, Bruce and Sam and Rob had worked in collaboration with you know Xena and things like that. And um, they remained friends, but a lot of the crew which there were only about seven or eight, but you know, we hadn't seen each other. So it was really, really nice. Just prior to that in late 2001, they had a re cleaned up version of Evil Dead. And I was contacted one day by American Cinematique, which is a theater and, and a um, movie film organization I hear. And they said, are you Betsy Baker from Evil Dead? And I thought it was a crank call, so I hung up on them. And they called me back. I said, no, really, we're, we're looking for Betsy Baker from Evil Dead. And I just said, why? Well, let me explain really quick before you hang up again. And they were inviting me to the premiere at the Egyptian theater. Uh, um, and it was, it sold out in about six hours. And he said, do you know anybody else um, involved with the movie that we could contact? Remember, this was in 2001. Still didn't have a lot of cell phones. We didn't have, you know, computers. And I said, "Well, I do. I actually am very good friends with Sarah York, Teresa Tilly." So I um, called her and I said, "You're going to get a call. It's really weird. It's not a crank call, and they want us to come on Halloween night and be guests at the movie." And that evening, we ran into Rob. Sam was Sam was working on Spider Man at the time and couldn't be there. And I don't think Bruce was there. But we had a lovely evening with Rob, but it was incredible that the, the film um, was like sold out in like six hours. And then we had a Q&A and that's how we first originally, um, that was probably the first and then the weekend in February. And then within a couple of months, we were doing conventions. Wow. And I know you've had plenty of experience there at these conventions because the fans, they could be wild. <laughs> yeah. They're actually great. They're not only wild, but they, they're really, it, I, I will say in all sincerity, um, these conventions have been great um, over the years because I would say that the three of us girls, Teresa, Ellen, and I just never knew of the fan. We just were not aware of the fan bases. We were busy either acting or raising kids, raising a family or doing something else. And we had no idea there was such a huge fan base. I mean, Bruce had been doing conventions for a couple of years before 2002, and uh, we had absolutely no idea. So it truly, genuinely was and is and has been a great thing to meet the fans and um, hear their stories. Um, but yeah, it gets crazy. It gets crazy. <laughs> 
get crazy at the end of the at the end of the night. Unbelievable. It's for a fun weekend. No, it, it does. It, it definitely does. But you were able to reprise your voice as Linda in Evil Dead the Game. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, there's a lot of me in the narration that people don't realize it's me. Um, uh, but yeah, Linda's Linda's back. Linda's back in the saddle. Sweet as ever, but not quite. I know with all the news that's been breaking with Evil Dead Rise coming out next year, has there been any talks, anyone reaching out to you perhaps for a cameo or for you to be? No. no? Can you believe that? No. No. And I know that Evil Dead Rise was really challenging to do uh, during COVID. And, um, you know, it's really, it's not impossible. But it's hard to bring back people who have, you know, been dead for 40 years. Yeah. And and legitimize it um it's been done you know they brought i mean they you we certainly saw cheryl in um ash versus evil dead uh but no they haven't i would i would do it in a heartbeat i don't know what they would have me they'd probably have me as some little old lady in a rocking chair in you know in a nursing home or on a porch you know <laughs> waving at the at the car going by you know <laughs> know what they would have me do but yeah it would be a nice acknowledgement to bring back some of the original cast members. Wouldn't it though, Max? Could you just say that again a lot louder? It would be nice for some of them to bring back the original cast members. It, it really be. would. It would. <laughs> uh, do you remember your first horror movie that you ever saw before Evil Dead as a kid? Yeah, it's really um, somebody else. Somebody well-known had the same... Uh, had the same movie it was not actually i don't think called a horror movie back then it was a psychological thriller but i was really young and i think in middle and junior high or high school when i saw rosemary's baby mm. and to me that was I, I said a few weeks ago oh i'll have to go back and see that again and then i later that night and said, no, I don't need to, because it really frightened me. It was, uh, and I do not care for horror movies per se. I don't like to be scared. I don't like to think there might be somebody else in the room or whatever, who's not invited. And I, I don't like to know what's going to happen if, with something underneath the seat of a car. But um, a Rosemary's Baby really was very frightening to me. Mia Farrow. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a frightening one. Yeah, it was uh, it was really well done. And um, yeah, it shook me to my core because you certainly didn't think, and I don't even remember all the characters, but I do remember that, you know, Mia Farrow is, is married to this young couple and they were so excited having a baby and they moved in next to this elderly couple and then things began to go, shit. <laughs> yeah. You got that right. <laughs> yeah. But you've invited out to your own theater program out where you went to school and Michigan State University there for yeah. Evil Dead and the musical and all that. I was. They had just started. Evil Dead the musical was just starting to rise to major fandom. And uh, the Michigan State University Department of Theater decided to do it in October. I think, well, you would know. Was it, is it, was it 2010 or 2012? It was 2010, wasn't it? I think it was 2010. Yeah. And so they invited me to be a guest. I was there for almost a week. I actually... Um, taught a few classes but i the department of theater also had a homecoming float because it was a homecoming weekend 
and um, they asked me if I would like to ride on a float. And you have to you have to say that's pretty exciting because there aren't too many 40, 50 or yeah, late 50s men or women that are invited on to a on a homecoming float or a float of any kind in any sort of parade, right? You just don't see that too often. And um, I'm certain that there are still some people in East Lansing, Michigan that are, you know, waving and waiting for the football team to come by and they're going, what, what is, what is this? <laughs> but we had a blast and um, we have seen Evil Dead the Musical numerous times. And we had a really amazing experience in Pensacola, Florida, a few years ago where they, they were doing Evil Dead the Musical and they asked us to come as guests, the three of us, um, ladies of the Evil Dead. And we watched the shows and we had some Q and A's afterwards. But on the last night we were there, they actually also asked us to come on stage during the show as surprise cameos for the audience. So for instance, after the character, after the actress Linda sang a song or whatever, um, or I would come out and finish the song. And um, the same, Ellen actually appeared, you know, out of the cellar instead <laughs> of the actress who played her. And <clears throat> that was that was a great evening. It was one of the best evenings in our life. But yeah, we saw one of the first off-Broadway, um, we were invited to go to New York and see one of the first off-Broadway um, shows and experience the Platter Zone. Yeah, it's Splatter Zone. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> This film, it was made independently and just to see it come from humble beginnings all the way up into being on Broadway, having its own play. It's truly inspiring to see. Yeah, now it's it's playing in like what? Well, you would know. I mean, what is it, 30 or 40 cities this fall, this winter? That's right. I did hear that it's in, back in the theaters, too. Yeah. Unbelievable yeah. that the following this film has. But you've done other work, Lake Erie. I did Lake Erie in Michigan. Yeah. Um that was a great movie in which I also played another character who really is not perceived in the film as a, a horrible person, um, but could or could not be. You'll just have to get the movie and see if I am or not. Um, yeah, and I just I worked uh, just a few days. Uh, Lance Hendrickson was in the movie, but we never met each other on the set because that happens a lot. But uh, that was, yeah, that was great. We worked, then the three of us girls also worked on um, Brutal Massacre, which is okay. actually, which was actually a comedy, a parody of, of horror movies. Yeah. ER, you've done work on as well, a couple ER, shows. Yeah, did ER, I just finished uh, um, Criminal Minds and NCIS and yeah. um, uh, Bosch, the legacy, the comeback show and uh, the comeback of Bosch. And um, yeah, it's I've been pretty fortunate. The wedding season, I think you have you, you were working on too. The wedding season I did, which all I do in the movie is scream. That's all I do is scream. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, yeah, that was fun. I, I've done I've done the Connors. I've done um, uh, ER, Grey's Anatomy, Southland, The Last Ship, um, American Horror Story. Yeah, I've done. It's been a, a rich, good last few years. Yeah. Do you have anything else upcoming that you want to mention to my audience here? Gosh, you know, I worked on a film last year, um, directed and produced and starring Nicola Peltz and uh, called Lola James. Okay. And I really look forward to seeing that. Um, it just has a real interesting um, 
serious story to it. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that and when it's going to be released, which I thought was going to be this year, but I, th uh, I think it's going to be early next year. So, and Criminal Minds, I just shot, so it won't be on for, you know, a while. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'll be looking forward to it. Betsy Baker, is anything else you want to let the people who are tuned in know that we didn't cover here tonight? We covered a lot. I don't know, Max. I, you're pretty damn good at doing your research. So there isn't <laughs> much you missed except like the mortgage on my house or whatever. And, uh, you know, but I'm pretty impressed. So, but it's been a joy. And, and thank you for having me on. Of course. Thank you for what you've done for horror and being in one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Undoubted is Linda. One of the uh, great performances, of course. Thank you. Yeah, nice. I've, it's, um, I think a lot of people, you always hear actors or performers say, oh, it's something I never want to relive again. It's something I never want to be known for. And the fact of the matter is, one of the reasons that you know that person is because they did work on that production or they did work on that film and it was memorable. And I, you know, yeah, do I like horror films? No. Do I own the fact that I chose to do it? 40 years, 41 years ago and, and have a great experience. And it became this cult classic all over the world. Okay. Yeah. Where can your fans follow you either on social media? Do you have any sort of social media apps anywhere? We're bad at that. I'm so bad at that. I'm <laughs> just on Facebook, but I, someday I'm going to, uh, be on I, is it Instagram, Instagram. Thank you. Someday I will. And I'll let everybody on Facebook know that. But right now I'm just on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> you got that right. Betsy Baker, I want to thank you again for coming on the show here tonight. It was an honor having you on here. Thank you again for everything you've done for Horror and the Evil Dead. I, I want you to enjoy the rest of your October and your Halloween here. I look forward to everything. Thank you. Are you going trick-or-treating, Max? No, I'm way too old to do that. <laughs> but are you going to any Halloween parties? I, probably not. I'm more of a guy that just watches the movies on TV, and that's pretty much my Halloween. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you have a great Halloween. I hope you, you have too. a great fall. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Of course. Anytime, Betsy. Thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your night. Take care Thanks. and stay safe. You too. Thanks, Max. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye now.